Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. We're going to have so much fun this week as we're showcasing unique stories from arborists over the years. Davies' Wendy Austin got quite a surprise in the field, that's for sure. So, Wendy, when we were searching for unique stories, yours certainly came to mind right off the bat. Take us there and, and tell me what happened. I was working on a transmission contract down in Florida. And we had to drive through some wetlands, some protected wetlands. And uh, looking out, I could see multiple lakes, rivers, streams. And the, uh, the supervisor who was leading us through said, we're going to be driving this path and this path. And I said, but there's a lake in the way. <laughs> and he said, no, no, we're going to drive through that. And I said, well, uh, I'm not driving a boat. So... He said to um, look on the sides and he pointed out there's special markings that they uh, would put out that denotes that there's a hard bottom. So they put in this, this special matting along the bottom to keep the, uh, to keep the road open for, for official vehicles, but you can't really see it from the, from the road. So you just look for these symbols and you know that you're in the right spot. Um, so the supervisor led his way through, and then my boss went through behind him, driving through his wake. And so I came in third, trying to stay as close to the truck in front of me as possible, because, you know, I still was feeling kind of hinky about it. <laughs> and the water was pretty high up on the truck, and I look off to my left, and there's this there's this huge alligator looking right at me, eyeball to eyeball. And I could have probably reached out my window and tapped him right on the snout. And it was enough to really wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the project that you were working on there. So uh, a lot of Florida is protected area. And our transmission lines tend to go through a lot of uh, wetlands. Uh, there's some of it's down in the Everglades. And most of that stuff is done by boat. Um, where I was working, there was still hard bottom roads that we could drive through. And most of that area, we have different environmental concerns that we deal with where uh, normally on transmission, you want to keep everything cut to the ground. But we actually provided given the situation of having the transmission lines we actually provided optimum habitat for several different species and when we were in the drier spots with uh, mostly the sand they called it sugar sand we um, would clear out sections to make enough um, habitat for the gopher tortoise uh, the gopher tortoise there is so popular and loved that 
the whole highway traffic will stop so that somebody can get out and help the little guy across the road. Um, we have to be careful when we find them. We have to literally get out on foot in certain areas to locate them and flag them because uh, you can't do work within a certain number of feet around them, um, around their dens. So the habitat is created and maintained just by uh, having this transmission line. So when we drive through there, of course, we're looking for all the markings that state that there is um, gopher tortoise holes nearby so that we don't end up harming anybody. So you got to drive slow, you got to pay attention. And other sections, we're actually maintaining habitat for scrub jays. Uh, scrub jays are very uh, uh, exclusive to Florida and uh, they, I believe they are endangered. So there's not that many, a few hundred, I think. And so we maintain the habitat by uh, cutting the shrub down during certain times of the year and keeping the shrub at a, at a particular height. And so we've got the sandy areas for the shrub because they utilize the sandy areas and then they eat in the shrubs. So that whole project, just maintaining our lines was not the full scope. We also worked hand in hand with the local biologists, uh, state and federal biologists, to make sure that we were all hand in hand working everything uh, together to maintain both our power lines, customer satisfaction, and environmental responsibility. Well, that's got to feel good. Just tell me a little bit about that feeling of, hey, you know, the transmission line, getting that part done is great. But then the environmental angle, too, is so cool. Yeah, um, many people don't realize just what is involved with um, keeping entire towns, states, communities energized. And they look out and they see vast fields of solar arrays or vast windmill farms and they think, you know, they're only thinking about one aspect of it. But for those of us that are on the ground that actually work in this field every day, we notice more details than the average Joe. So we might be walking along and see that beautiful butterfly that no one else noticed. And our habitat is being maintained for that beautiful butterfly. Um, as, as, a photog as an amateur photographer, I enjoy being out on my, on my sites when I have to walk, you know, three, four spans. I see things that you wouldn't get in, say, uh, concrete jungles. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so you see this alligator. You guys get your trucks through the, the water. What do you say when you get on the other side? <laughs> uh, I said... I said, did you guys see that alligator? And they said, what alligator? And I pointed him out and they said, oh, yeah. And I said, it, that sucker's huge. And they they kind of patted me on the shoulder and said, welcome to Florida. <laughs> oh, Wendy, thanks for sharing your story. That's a great one. Thank you so much. Connor Clark, who works for Davey in Columbus, brings a little nostalgia for his tale. So, Connor, let's just get right into your story. Tell me a little bit uh, about uh, pruning some... Pretty important oaks. 
Yeah, so we uh, had a, I guess, the school district, uh, Worthington City School District, uh, contact us for a printing proposal uh, while the you know while the kids were on break, and um, it didn't involve the school that we're you know talking about today. Um, so I went through the whole bid with them, gave them the proposal, and then at the end I was talking to the representative. I said, "Do you mind if I stop over to the high school, to Thomas Worthington, and um, throw throw a bid in because?" I drive by there all the time. You know, it's my old alma mater and those oaks, you know, really quite large oaks, you know, they could use a prune. There's some big pieces of dead in them. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how you guys typically do that. And it's not what you asked for, but just for fun, if I could throw that in there. And uh, he said, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to see what you guys come up with. Um, so you know, that's kind of how it all got started. Went over there and took a look at the, the trees. I uh, thought it would be a good Training day. It's wide open field right in the front. We call it, you know, the green uh, right in front of the school. They do band practice there. They do uh, field hockey, all sorts of things on there. Um, so great access, wide open space, easy parking. And it's kind of right off of a main road. So great visibility. Everybody can see Davies. That's kind of the, the point is, you know, Davies going to be in the front yard of the school for a whole week doing some training, doing some pruning. So um, kind of some, you know, good public eye, um, there. And, um, uh, we ended up contacting Matt Salvatore, who's our, you know, trainer down here. Um, so I brought him over and he lives close and we just kind of walked the school to give Worthington a competitive bid that they would want to go with. Cause they're, it's a sizable one. There's a lot of oak trees, a lot of work to be done and kind of see how we could maybe not, you know, go just for profit, but make it work for both of us. You know, we get the public eye, we get the training, um, I guess, ability, you know, we can schedule that. And it's not very often where you get the chance to bid a job specifically for training. Typically when the trainers come down, we're just throwing anything that kind of makes sense at them. So it's fun to involve Matt and he was super helpful in that coming up with a game plan and uh, they ended up going with it. And then you get to go back to the high your high school. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to um, go back to where you graduated. Um, you know, seven years later, um, only twenty five, but went back and you know bid the old alma mater. You know, it's the it's the old high school, and it's you know, I guess yeah. How cool is that, right? It's got to be. <laughs> I think it's pretty sweet to leave. You know, grow up go out into the world and then come back and then put a proposal in um, to your old high school and they accept it and do business and then, you know, get to kind of help them out and show, show the community that you're still around and you want to, you know, do right by, uh, by Worthington. So I thought that was pretty fun. So is there any recollection as a kid of that tree or were you not into trees at the time? Did you walk by that tree, not even realizing what it was? I think when you're at the school, you know, and you're in that age range, you're not super paying attention to all the trees, uh, especially down there. But I would frequently, I lived close by and I would take the um, Olentangy bike path to school every day. So I would photograph trees or, you know, hang out on the bike trail in the woods a lot when I was that age. Um, Those trees specifically don't hold a lot of, I guess, um, memory when I was, you know, in, in my youth, but 
they're awesome oak trees now to, you know, have been appreciative of oaks as an arborist. And um, so I didn't particularly do a whole lot down there, um, except for, you know, you could hang out and, and walk the greens, but um, it's still cool to get to go back. Definitely into trees at that time, but I didn't necessarily, I guess, really pay attention to those. And I'm sure most of the kids there now don't. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, as you've uh, moved into this career, you're driving by that school all the time. And that's oh. what you're noticing. You're just like, hey, man, there's some deadwood up there. <laughs> yeah. And and we, you know, we ended up doing a lot of stuff for the for the school district which is great. And even going back to my old elementary school, we did a lot of work there as well. And that was really cool. And we, unfortunately, we removed a tree that I do remember at the elementary school. I'd wait for my mom to pick me up outside of uh, school at the pickup. And we removed a little London plane that was having some issues there. But um, yeah, you, I, it's in my sales district. So I drive past the school all the time. I grew up there you know, went to the pool, went to the high school, elementary school. I had a couple of different houses there. So it's fun to drive down. And now that you're an arborist, you're like, oof, tree in the front yard of the old school is looking, looking a little tough. We should give them a call. Um, it's fun to have a relationship with the school district that I can call them and say, Hey, I noticed this. What do you think? And was there anybody at, was school in session or was there anybody at the schools that you knew from those days or you didn't I haven't, uh, I haven't run into any old teachers yet. Um, unfortunately, I think that'd be fun to, Hopefully my old ceramics teachers, the, his window is right there. So it'd be nice. Maybe I'll see about if he'll come out and visit during the, um, during the pruning, maybe contact some old, old professors and teachers. But uh, I haven't been inside the school since um, either one of them, since we started bidding it, of course. Maybe you can stand outside the ceramic teacher's window with your chainsaw <laughs> and just stare at him through the window and yeah, just <laughs> scare him a little bit. Say, oh, yeah. that's me. Tell me a little bit about the elementary school tree. That's kind of cool. Yeah, um, we, you know, that was part of the original bid was doing a lot of stuff for the elementary schools. Um, mostly they wanted deadwooding and hazardous removals, but um, they asked for my opinion on this specific tree. It wasn't the largest London plane ever, um, but definitely having more issues than you want uh, close to the building. Yeah, we, we removed it. And I remember telling the representative for uh, the school districts, like, oh, man, it's a shame that we were cutting this one down because I remember it was just right outside of the door. Um, you go in, the cafeteria is on the right, and I would do um, after school care there, you know, when they you stay a little later because your parents have work and they would move all the tables in the cafeteria, you'd hang out there and I'd get picked up at the end of the day around five o'clock right outside uh, next to that London plane. So it was kind of a bummer to remove it, but definitely still cool to, you know, go back to the school, of course. Well, Connor, I have to ask, were you a good student? I was probably not the best student. <laughs> um, just being honest, in an elementary school, I feel like I was a lot better, you know, of course, you're a young kid. And, and I really did like um, elementary school, had a lot of friends. Uh, when I went to, when I went over to high school at Thomas, I probably was not the most studious, but who knew that trees would be what uh, I hyper focus on, you know? It all worked out, right? It all worked out in the end, yeah. All right, Connor, thanks so much for sharing your story. That's a great one. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it.
Well, our last two stories come from my old friend, Miles Stevens. He's a district manager, works in the Pittsburgh area for the Davy Tree Expert Company. I've heard the stories, uh, or one of these stories for a couple years now. Well, let's start off with the story you told me about this these great oak trees, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was uh, for the first year I was probably a sales rep in Atlanta, and we got a call for a fellow who had a property he just purchased, and he was all excited because he had his oak-lined lane, and he had named it Oak Lane, and he had his house. He called it the Oak House and wanted me to come out and take a look to see about possibly doing some pruning and care of the trees. It's a great I go on out and I pull up and I'm thinking, am I at the right house? And I'm looking at the Oak Lane and I'm looking, they're all cottonwoods. It wasn't <laughs> Oak on the property. And so I had to drive up and break the news to the fellow that he did not have Oak trees. These were cottonwoods and fellow he bought it from and said, yeah, this is, we always called you this Oak Lane or Oak, whatever. So he was, he was greatly disappointed. Uh, and I, I think what he eventually did, and we didn't get the job, I think he cut all the cottonwood trees down and planted oak trees so no he could kidding. have oak lane. But I was like, you feel like you, you tell, go tell somebody you got some good news, bad news, you know, and this is like bad news sort of all the way around for what his dream was. But I think he did cut all of them down and he planted, uh, planted oak trees so he would have oak lane. And I remember hearing your, your final story here, like I said, uh, years ago and kept it in the back of my head saying somewhere I'm going to use that. So tell us a little bit about the, the next story. I don't even want to tease it with anything else uh, other than that. Yeah, this goes back to probably like my second year with Davey and I was a lawn tech back then and I was doing lawns in Upper St. Clair. And I got this property. I looked up in a tree and there's this bike about 40 <laughs> feet up in the tree. And I asked people how it got there. That they weren't sure a storm came, blew it up there, or I think a kid climbed up and put it up there. And then the tree had grown around it. So here you have this bike up in this tree about 40 feet up with the tree growing around. And it was the oddest, oddest thing. I mean, one of the oddest things I ever saw. That'd be quite a pruning job, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed that the kid climbed up there and put it there. That's what I'm impressed. How did he get it up there to climb up? I don't think any storm blew it up there. Did, you know, and it, where it was is where it was. It isn't like, you know, he put it 10 feet up and the tree grows up and the, the bike goes up. No, where it was is where it was. It got put there. Was so it just, how he got it there. Was it just like up there or was the tree growing into it? Or it was just like an he, he, he like wedged it in a crotch and then through time the tree was growing around it. Oh, you know? So it was like it just wedged up there. Maybe got up there, left it, went to go back to get it. At that point in time, couldn't get it out of there anymore. Oh, that that's great. Uh, what kind of tree was it? It was a pin oak. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, Miles, in all your years you've been doing this, those are those are two great stories. But, you know, you never know what you're going to find around the next corner when you go visit a property, right? Oh, yeah. There, there, there's a the variety never ends. By the time you think you've seen it all, uh, you haven't. And there's a lot of unique a lot of unique properties in the Pittsburgh area. And I'm sure I've just scratched the surface of them, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, there's always interesting, always interesting things to find an interesting tree that may come across. You may come across. That's all, you know, uh, go in the backyard and all of a sudden you find a uh, persimmon tree. You know, it's like, what takes that doing here? You know? Uh, so it inspired me to plant or find a pawpaw tree in the backyard. You never know. Okay. Don't see them that often, but occasionally you find that, uh, and then there's always some unique history that maybe folks have with a tree or whatever beyond a Christmas tree or whatever. And and uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things out there. 
All right, Miles, we're we're gonna keep searching for stories. I think we should do this once a year. So uh, next time we talk, if you've got a good story, or any of your buddies have a good story, we're gonna use that uh, as we move on. Thanks again for your time. Okay, thank you, Doug. Have a happy holidays. Take care. You too. Wasn't that fun? I never want to see an alligator looking me in the eye when I'm driving. That's for sure. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am hosting the show. Next week, it's all about New Year's resolutions for your landscape, things you should start doing for your trees to keep them thriving. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.